Step into the Gap Society, where we bridge the gap through all tints, tones, and shades of life, openly exposing the wealth gap to clarify the culture gap with hopes to reduce the communication gap. Here to provoke your thoughts, empower you with words in today's society. Take your time to expand your mind. You are now listening to the Gap Society. talking to the people you and I so I just started the podcast we're on episode five you're my first official Woo-hoo! yes you're my first official guest since I got back to I'm stage. number one yes, I'm number are. one go Jay go Jay and so yeah we're just talking to the people today um this is uh episode five of the gap society so um I'm going to try to guess I guess touch into all sides of Jay Massey if that's cool sure but that's fine um what's yeah. the gap society though well, when I started the show, originally it was from a very controversial point. I think it was just, I was kind of like in my feelings, right? But then I started with the gaps. I mean, I found the, the gap society just came to me, I guess, because um, I don't know. I feel like I've always lived in the gap, right? So mm. I'm first generation Liberian. Um, my, yeah. Both of my parents are born in Liberia and I was here, you know, born in New York, raised in Rhode Island. But amongst my friends, I'm always the African girl. And then at home, um, the American girl. So it's like, I've always had a unique perspective on our people, (laughs) if you will. You know what I'm saying? So um, yeah, and not only am I here to bridge the gap, but of course there are so many versions of a gap, quote unquote, like the wealth gap, um, educational gap. And so I just felt like the gap society was a basic way to kind of sum it all up into one. And loving it. I think, it, I think it gets the people going. It's provocative. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. And you sound good. So that, that you take those two things and people will continue to listen. Well, thank so you. Thank good. you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, so I guess let's jump right into it. Um, did you want to like, I mean, I had like your a little. World. I will I had, follow your world and your lead. Okay. Uh, so, how long are we going? I've only got about 10 to 15 questions. Well, 15 questions. I don't know if we'll get to all of them because I would like for the conversation to be as organic as possible. But um, should we, about- we get to all of them? You'll be the first one. <laughs> All right. Hopefully I'm going to, I'm going to try to get them like punchline them. So, all right, real quick, Jay Massey, if you could introduce yourself to the people and then let them know who you are. So I am a father. I'm a friend. I'm a business guy. I follow uh, Christ and what he teaches. And ultimately I'm, I'm just a man working to to find a way to feed his family uh, all the time and uh, to, to be the best example that I believe the world needs so that others can, you know, move forward, take a step up. So I love I love that you started with a father first. Um, it wasn't what I was expecting. So I like that. I got four kids. <laughs> <laughs> I can appreciate that. You know, that's that's pretty dope. So four kids. Um, I mean, in regards to like, you know, what you like to do for the people. So I just want to kind of jump into my first question, because it's something that I've heard you talk about a lot on Clubhouse, which is kind of how we met. Well, not kind of, which is how we met. I I never, I'll admit, I didn't know about Jay Massey prior to Clubhouse, but I'm glad I do now. So um, 
we're going to jump into like the more family oriented things a little later, but I would like to talk about the, um, I think it's seven or eight sources of income that that was like the first time I think I sat in a room and like really got to listen to your perspective and how you just kind of interacted with people. Um, and I guess, uh, like, what is it like, what, what source of income do you favor most is, I mean, I know you're a big one real estate but is that like what you favor most do you have like um you know what I mean do you have like any special interest that may not be real estate related that you know kind of you can provide me from yeah yeah absolutely I well one I actually don't like real estate no very few people know that see but now they do so I know I don't like real estate at all in fact I could care less about the walls and the floors and the pipes and everything else. And I think most people can relate to the fact that it's not that you like real estate, you like mm-hmm. the benefits of real estate. Absolutely. And if spoons or furniture had the same benefits, we'd be talking about <laughs> that. Um, as far as my favorite like stream of income goes, that's mm-hmm. easily hands down uh, royalty income, specifically song royalties. So nice. being able to, to earn uh, income from every time a song plays. So, you know, I keep playing. The, you know, playing ironically, ironically, that was actually my follow-up question. Cause I think I've heard you mention something about song royalties. <laughs> um, like, do you have any, what popular like products or concepts or songs or ideas do you own royalties to? That so, would be surprising to the people. I don't know that any of them would be surprising. Uh, I mean, I've got some rights to, to, to Quavo, Busta, um Busta and, uh yeah no way okay uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean like I'm not doubting you but like I'm a huge Busta fan if you can't tell but yeah <laughs> yeah and so the you know it, and it's just knowing that everything can become an asset it's an understanding of assets that makes the difference right now most individuals we trade our labor for income mm-hmm. which is the problem because your labor has a limit either in time and energy because you get tired or you don't want to do it or your body breaks down and you can't so tying your income to your labor is is what we're taught and that's the problem i learned a while ago to tie my income to assets so i focus on purchasing assets so that the assets produce the income and it's you know song rights i I mean i'm not uh a, a a published uh, singer or anything of that nature. So I don't have any songs out. Come on, I know you got some bars or something, Jay. Well, I do. <laughs> and I am contemplating. We are. That is one of our special projects for this year. Got him. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> so that is one of the special projects for this year is to, to, to actually, you know, put some songs out. So that's pretty fun. Oh, nice. And, but ultimately, being able to have that income stream. I mean, we talk about intergenerational wealth all the time. And one of the things that gets on my nerves is we can talk about something, but show me what did you do today that says you were guilty of moving in that direction. If we took you to a court of law and said, look for the evidence that says you are building intergenerational wealth, what is it that the court would be able to see? What measurable, observable evidence would convict you? This is why I like song rights. It's one of the easiest things anyone can do And when you purchase them in what are known as life of rights, it means that you get to own the the rights to that song for the life of the artist plus an additional 70 years. Now, when I do that kind of math and I tend to focus on artists that are currently alive, when I do that kind of math, I know that the family will own that for more than my lifetime. 
period. And there are so many songs that are still being played on the radio today. It's not even funny. Absolutely. Plus, we all know what happens to an artist's uh, art when they, when they die. Yes. To me. It makes a lot of sense to me. That's cool. I thought you would have said like residual income, but then I had a funny feeling you said royalties, which is you were going to say royalty, which is why it was my follow-up question. So good thing I went with my instincts. That's pretty dope. So um, I know that you, you speak pretty openly about like previous experiences um, as far as like life experiences. Like I think you mentioned uh, living in bank owned property. Um, could you kind of explain a little bit of that background to the people, if you don't mind? Who never sure. Heard. Um, I, I don't mind at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and and I guess really what it comes down to is that we all have a beginning and that's where I started. I mean, I like I said, I don't necessarily like real estate. Real estate was a solution to the problem. The problem was when I ran into um, it, I, I, I was squatting in bank-owned property. I had a hole in my lung. I could not walk and talk simultaneously without fainting. Um, I have a PhD, public high school diploma. I saw with- that. I saw that today on your on your clubhouse. By I was like, that's dope. <laughs> hey, I, was doing, no. I was doing some snooping today. I was like, well, I need to dig up a little more info to refresh these questions. But yeah, I saw that. I like that PhD. That's it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> I mean, that's as far as I made it. But ultimately, what it comes down to is that when you can't keep the electricity on, you're not paying the, the mortgage or the rent. You're not doing, you, there are so many things that you're not doing. So yeah, for a while, uh, that's what I was doing, squatting a bank on property while trying to learn real estate. And it, believe it or not, it was our first uh, 11 or so transactions that we closed in a week that got us out of that situation. And it was pretty interesting to say the least because I didn't know what I didn't know. I had been told you can't buy property with bad credit. I've been told if you don't have money, it won't work. Not only that, not only we told that, we're told to not even look at it. Don't even hope about it. Don't even consider it. Absolutely. Yet that was the very thing. It was because I was resource strapped. That is why I was able to buy and why I'm still able to buy so many properties because I learned how to do it without a bank without a loan, and without money. So ask yourself this question. If you could go shopping and you needed no money, how much would you buy? The every, answer is yeah, Every damn it. thing. <laughs> exactly. So that's what I started doing. Absolutely. So I'm totally going off my questions now because you just gave me two other questions to ask you. Did you say 11 tra- transactions in one week? Is that what you said? Yeah, uh, so it was June 18th, 2008 is when we closed the, the very first deal. Then three weeks later, I did 11 more. Um, by the time my first 18 months was up, I was well over 200 wholesale transactions. Wow. And were those, oh, okay, you did, never mind. You literally, literally just followed up um, with my next question was wholesale. That's dope. Okay. So for the people that don't know what wholesaling is, um, I mean, I don't want you to go to dig in there too oh, deeply, of course. Cool. Yeah. But if you don't mind briefly, because I would like to try to be everyone else and get to all my questions. So go. <laughs> nah, I, oh, I think I gave you a challenge. She's like, no, 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 there's a challenge going on. Okay, we'll see how this goes. No, it's, it's simple. It's buying something at a discount and selling at a discount. That's that's not overly complicated to explain, but that, that's really what I would do. I would find a house at a discount and sell it to someone else at a discount really quickly. I, the, the, my secret, if you will, was I didn't wait for the marketplace to show me where the buyers were. 
I learned to create the buyers. And because I learned to create the buyers, I could always get something sold. And that's exactly what happened is that's, that's how we got so many done. That's how we kept doing so many because there are people who want real estate. They just don't know how they can get in. And if you become their way in, then they'll do business with you. Nice. That's, that's, that's a really, um, I mean, dope perspective or J way of saying it. If I don't say so myself, <laughs> I heard him that someone has called it Masseyisms yesterday. Is so it? I'm just like, okay, Masseyisms, J way, what, I don't know. Call it what you like. Well, I'm calling, I'm calling it the J way. So after your first, I guess, 200 or so transactions, is that like mm -hmm. when you started doing STRs, like when exactly did you do ST, um, start oh. doing the STR or STR? arbitrage or short-term rental rather well that didn't come for a while um the the wholesale deals taught me that i could do it and they taught me that um wow the the, the taxes are a thing <laughs> so <laughs> then i went yeah. into my house collecting phase for for a number of years and uh you know after collecting a number of single family we then traded those in for apartment buildings which then added some commercial retail and cell phone towers then after spending a couple of years of just being bored not knowing what to do uh we we got into the hospitality game so because we were working a a uh, a hotel deal in uh belize exactly and what ended up coming from that was an understanding that there was a big opportunity in changing the use of the exact same property. Let me say it differently. McDonald's, it's a company that's actually a real estate company. They just happen to have a franchise. Very much so. Exactly. Very much so. And I'm like, how can I do that? And this is what short-term rental arbitrage gives the average person the ability to do. You get to finally profit from some of the most uh, attractive pieces of real estate in your own local area, build your cash flow, then you can go back and start owning real estate later. And you can do so in, in honestly, in a way that I think makes sense, is more secure and gives you all of the education and training you need along the, along the way. Nice. So I have a question. Being that you I guess, I don't, I don't know if when you started um, doing the short-term rentals, if you owned as much property or if you've been letting them go, whatever the deal is, but why arbitrage if you already own the property or, or was that just, or is arbitrage a way of you expanding? I'm just curious. I got, got it. Totally understood. No, it's a very common question. And the answer is simple. It's scientific. It's math. When you do the math, the math will tell you what to do. When I ran the numbers, as I run the numbers, first of all, houses, real estate. Houses are meant for people, not money. Houses store people, not money. So trying to store money in houses, that's silly. You don't do that. So if I'm not going to store money in houses, then equity should be out in the marketplace being used and putting uh, being put to work to create as much cash flow as possible and that is the secret when you run the numbers your cash on cash returns on an arbitrage deal will always 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 trump the the cash flow on an owned deal now some of you are saying but yeah but the equity you forget businesses build and have equity too and when you understand that the businesses are built and sold on multiples of their revenue or EBITDA if you understand what I mean then you'll also understand that, well, 
guess what can build equity faster and more predictable? And that's exactly what it comes down to. You, well, when you're looking for the, oh, I'm sorry, I have to cut you off. I don't, I don't want to sound crazy, but how does he, how does one's business build equity? I guess, I don't know if that's a stupid no question. No problem. That, I feel like well, I need they, to ask so, it. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it makes perfect sense. If you have a, 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 a business, say, for example, that business produces a net income of $100,000 a year. There are individuals who will take that business and purchase it for four times it, it's it's uh, that that income. So now that's four hundred thousand dollars. Now, assuming you don't have a a whole bunch of debt on the business that is greater than four hundred thousand dollars, the difference between those two numbers is probably the equity that I'm. It, it's it's probably nice, and that's what I'm talking about. You can build you can build via arbitrage more short-term rentals that create more equity faster than the real estate market can appreciate. So it produces the highest internal rates of return. It produces some of the highest cash on cash returns, total rates of return. That is the key. Now, here's the big, big thing I want everybody to hear. When you're building with the arbitrage method, what you're really building is a conveyor belt of cash. It keeps bringing you cash. So imagine a situation in which Every month, you know that twenty to thirty thousand dollars net income or more is coming your way. That's going to put you in a different position at the negotiating table when you go to buy a property or a building, because now you aren't going. This is my last fifty grand. I don't know when I'm going to have it again. And then there's a lot of pressure associated with. Okay, I bought one, but now I got to wait eight years before I can buy the next one. Yeah. Or no way. All of those other things. <laughs> right. And this eliminates it. Thanks. No way. I'm, I'm, it's funny because I'm, I'm, I'm again. Uh, the short-term rental space is something that I, I plan on getting into. I'm actually working on a third-floor unit that I, um, I have. I think I mentioned before the last time we spoke. I recently purchased a house for my mom, and so mm -hmm. with the third floor, I'm not renting out. I'm definitely going to go short-term rental. So basically, what I hear you saying is that numbers don't lie. People do, and return, return, return. So definitely, <laughs> definitely mm -hmm. the way, definitely the good, uh, the best way to go. Um, real quick for the people that are like new to STR, um, arbitrage, just because I think the arbitrage route, I guess would be like the, um, I don't know, least expensive trying to get into a short-term rental. Oh, right. So, um, I've heard you do like a, I guess an elevator speech, if you will. Um, mm -hmm. but <laughs> would you, I know in your, you're probably not smiling and dialing anymore with your schedule but <laughs> when, <laughs> when you when you were what would you say like your your conversion rate was because you're pretty convincing have you always been I mean have you always been this like convincing <laughs> obviously it took a little bit of work but you know what I mean every master was once a disaster exactly that's what, that's, that's all I'm going to say on that <laughs> and so no I've not always been this uh, convincing, as you say, but what you call convincing, I call conviction, because I understand why it makes sense 
logically for a landlord to say yes and why it makes sense for the marketplace, why it makes sense for the politicians to say yes. And when you understand all of those things and how many problems you're solving, you can't help but have conviction. And that conviction, yes, can come across as me trying to convince you, but that's not it at all. I'm just excited for the opportunity. The playing field has never been so level when it comes to real estate. And so approaching a landlord and simply saying, Hi, my name is Jay. My company and I are looking to lease a number of properties in the area. Are you the right person to talk to about that? That's not very difficult. By the way, that was the exact script. I, I, I was going to say, that sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Damn it. Well, there goes my next question, because I was definitely going to ask you for a quick snippet with some of your best punchlines, but I've heard that before. And that is usually like, it's pretty like straight into the point and I think mm -hmm. that's kind of the best way to go less is best for me so I appreciate that's that. me I'm, 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 I tend to be known to go straight to the point well that's awesome so um I want to follow up with uh cash flow diaries because mm -hmm. um when when we google Jay Massey um mm -hmm. besides you being like a short-term rental expertise um cash flow diary comes up what is your vision behind cash flow diary and how did that um how did that vision start i guess so um what happened is i had some business mentors pass away a little while ago and Sorry uh, i yeah i thought it was and, and and it got me to thinking like if that had been me what would my kids receive and i'm like great they get a whole bunch of property that can't have that that can't be the most valuable thing that i have yeah and what that inspired me to do was to then document everything that I knew, know and experienced. And I was trying to write like handwrite a diary and I just call it a cash flow diary because I didn't know really what it was. And then what it turned into was that um, it, it needed to become a podcast and a whole bunch of other things because I was just trying to document what I knew for my kids. And then it turned out that a friend said, hey, I bet, adults would want to know this stuff too and he was right and then I decided to allow the adults to hear it and I knew that if the adults could then do what I said that would be proof to my kids that everything dad said worked so they have no excuse and that's how it started and that's how it still continues I just always challenge myself to become a different person so I keep learning and growing and changing and doing new things mm -hmm. uh which is why we always have something to talk about is I'm which is why you're doing music now and we're going to talk about that again later <laughs> yes, you heard that <laughs> up on that one uh-oh we're coming back to that one <laughs> put a pin no in bro, that. no bro, no bro, no bro. I tried to sneak it in there and just run right by but nope she heard it nope 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 Nice. So, all right, cool. Well, you, you also have a couple books. Um, I guess my next question would be like, would you say that the cash flow diaries um, has an impact or has already impacted the wealth gap or has the ability to, is that your goal with cash flow? Diaries? It definitely has. It definitely has. I mean, we're well over 3 million downloads at this point uh, from the nice. podcast standpoint, I've lost track of the number of total students. I know last year we created seven, seven people who crossed seven figures. Nice. Um, and working towards, uh, you know, uh, getting uh, 10 this year. And if I just look at the individuals on Clubhouse alone, mm -hmm. uh, there are many of them who are 
running some of the largest rooms who I was their mentor at the beginning. Nice. So it's like at this stage, it's not just my direct impact. It's the impact that my impact had on a person who is now making impact, which I love. So I, I, I get to see that on, on a very, very consistent basis. So I know that it's making a difference. The problem is it doesn't make a dent in the problem because there's not, <laughs> the problem's so huge. Yeah. And it's going to take more time and it's just going to be more of us understanding you know, what it means to, to, to be financially literate and understanding the difference between currency and money and how to use it. That's why this show is important is because yes. you and your energy will be behind <laughs> it, pushing out that same message going, look, there's a better, different way. And it's completely okay because wealth is for everyone. And that means you. Absolutely. It's funny you said that because I think I, um, well, I, I think I posted something on my, uh, on my Instagram yesterday, I've been posting, uh, black facts for black history month mm, and it's mm -hmm. all having to do with, you know, like the wealth gap and real estate differences. And I read about the, something called the polya urn experiment. Have you ever heard of that? No. So meet me either until yesterday. So forgive me if I don't totally get it spot on, but it has a lot to do with why it's so difficult to see the dent that we're looking to see in the wealth gap. Mm. And so it's basically if you put a bunch of ball, like, you know, you have black balls and white balls, you take them all out of a, you know, a container and you have the same amount. Okay. But you continuously, when you put in, say, if you take a one black, a black ball out, Yes. And you put it back in, but you put two white balls with it. And for each time you put a black ball, you put, you double the white balls at some point, no matter how many balls you put in there, as long as that there's one color overpowering the other, it's going to be almost impossible to create a balance. I probably didn't explain that totally. No, right. Makes sense. But it. it's, it's called the polya urn experiment. I don't know. Look it up. I'll, yeah. post, I'll put it, I'll put it in the link, but it was kind of cool that you said that because that's exactly why we um it's um, not impossible but that has a lot mm -hmm. to do with the why we haven't seen the, the dent that we're looking to see in the wealth gap so yes absolutely conversations like this and shows like this are where we need to be so yeah yeah it's it's, it's all about the rate of change and as that rate of change increases then we have a shot uh is ultimately what it comes down to right and that rate of changes i feel like the rate of change is increasing i think technology has a lot to do with that but absolutely also, there's a willingness to experiment uh now which is uh, which i think is great because that is how the united states was funded as an experiment it is still the grand experiment some would say and that that wherewithal that willingness that desire that risk-taking ability that spirit it went away for a while but i think it's coming back yeah 100 percent. i i totally agree i think um I, I think um what was it the uh the pandemic um has a lot to do with people starting more mm -hmm. podcasts and just kind of being more in tune with self if you will mm -hmm. even though there there was like that transition happening a lot sooner like even i for one i started doing um I started doing monthly events called Buy and Build Your Block. And now I've started a nonprofit that's kind of a spinoff to Buy and Build Your Block. So yeah, there's definitely a lot more people um, into the financial liter literacy space, or at least trying to educate others 
mm-hmm. and than I've ever seen like ever my entire you know 35 years of life truthfully yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. same here same here with more years than that yeah, yeah so mm-hmm. it's definitely a, a great thing so guess what um it's time for a commercial break no what no no commercial break but <laughs> I asked all my questions and I still have two more bonus questions <laughs> oh goodness I'm glad you made it then okay let's go for it I, bonus round yes bonus round real quick so I was in a room one night because when you're usually in these random rooms as am I when I am on the clubhouse <laughs> we won't go Uh-oh. into detail we're not airing anybody else not that Uh-oh. kind of party no you said something and I was like, no freaking way. You said that you have never experienced a nightclub. Is that oh, still true? Yeah, yeah I've, ne- no, I've never been what? to a nightclub. Why? Before. Like, I don't, it doesn't quite make sense to me. I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> I'm just like, I, I'm I just, please. you're like, wait, what? <laughs> Where is, it was how? mind blowing. Huh? Yeah, no, um, the, I, there's not, it's not like I was actively avoiding them. I've never had a desire to go. No, I don't even think I've ever been invited to so go. I'm just gonna, that was, that's what I was going to say. So nobody's ever asked you to go mm-hmm. to the club ever? Mm-hmm. No. Jay, you shitting me? <laughs> no, not at all. I've also never drank, never smoked. Um, let me see what else have I never done. I mean, well, you know, so there's. That, that's okay if you never drink or smoke. That's, that's, that's not everybody's. Thing. but i mean you can like have a glass of cranberry in the club jay i true i do I <laughs> oh, that's true that's true but well hopefully sometime in the future when i see you again i'm driving that, see, I, I know what's up i know what's up okay got <laughs> it how some way mm-hmm. we're, we're going break tell the I, I gotta i, I will what, what what are you supposed to bring Am I supposed to bring? I have no idea. See, this is um, my thing. I don't even know how bring, to bring. <laughs> you know what? Bring this fly ass coat you got on this in this. Uh... Oh, okay. No problem. That is one of my new favorite coats. That's my, I got, yeah, I bring that on. coat. I like that coat. Wear that. Yeah. Wear that and you'll be fine. And we'll get you a glass of cranberry. There it is. Um, um, whatever. Yeah, I think it'll be. I don't think it'll be interesting to see you in the club, truthfully. The fact that you asked what to bring, I think it's hilarious. <laughs> 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 hey there you go that's, that's it that's the j way <laughs> mom said don't show up empty-handed i didn't you know i i, I don't know <laughs> Try to fit in. that's hilarious so this music thing i had no yeah. plans on sharing but i too am gonna partake in a little bit of um music this year yes yes (laughs) i've been putting it off all 2021 and it wasn't intentional i even tried like i tried to book a couple studio appointments but it didn't Uh quite work out so no excuses um i'd love to hear what you got though how about oh she's going (laughs) there we ain't doing that today no no it's fine it's fine it's fine Mm -hmm. i want to hear when it's all you know cut and ready to go right Um, how are you going to ask an artist to show the work before it's ready when it takes forever to even want to it's never ready it's never god god no who who are you telling i legit have been sitting on this for like more than a year and it is real estate related i'll give you a clue oh that's <laughs> okay got it you know so i had to put a little bit of extra sauce on it because to rap about real estate and still sound good 
it's a little, you know, it takes some work, but yeah. Uh, hey, I, I think you can do it. And, and I, I am eager to hear it now. <laughs> I am eager to hear yours as well. Um, one more, one more question. What's your genre? Are you rapping? Are you singing? Which, which you Both. got, Jay? I, 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 yeah. Really? Oh, you're a singer. Yeah. Awesome. See, yeah. never, yeah. you never cease to amaze me. <laughs> <laughs> that happened the other day on Clubhouse. Uh, I forgot what happened. There was a room and then said somebody introduced themselves as a singer and then someone challenged them to sing a song. They named a song and then for whatever reason, everyone else was then challenged. Like, you okay, you're, I'm just like, really, really? And I was one of the only guys, but yeah, it was just pretty, it was pretty. Wow, Jay, Jay, you know, yeah, I'm glad. I'm really, I'm just, I'm super impressed. I didn't think we were going to end off this way, but we definitely ended off with a bang that Jay has got some vocals. And now I'm even more excited to hear your music. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Well, don't so, build it up too bad because uh, then you, you know how that is. The, oh, you you'll so be, great. you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Right. It's all right. Don't be so sensitive. I know you're an artist. We're sensitive mm. about our ish. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think I think you'll do awesome. But I really, really do appreciate you. Um, is there anything you'd like to say on the way out? Because I think this kind of wraps up my my interview for you, Jay. Start before you're ready. Feel fast, feel forward, feel frequently. And ultimately understand that it is your willingness to let go of your addiction to looking good that's been in your way. Because you can't learn and look good at the same time. And when you let all that go, you'll see how fast you can grow. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Jay. I really, 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 really do appreciate you. I have not been around the clubhouse streets lately, but I definitely will tap in with you when I am. And, and I'll be careful what I'm saying. So. <laughs> <laughs> so come on, I pick up on everything. Don't worry about it. I'm just, that's just me. So yeah, no, it's fine. It's fine. I've, I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't think, I don't think anybody else heard you. <laughs> oh, I'm, uh, somebody probably did. They're, you know what? They're going to be the, they're going to send you an email. They're like, I was in that room too. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was so oh. long ago. Nobody will know. Uh, well, I'd like to believe that, but <laughs> I, I was approached not too long ago from a person who saw me back in 2012 on stage with Robert Kiyosaki. That really? was six months ago when that happened. And he's like, yeah, I remember you from that. I'm like, wow. Okay. Hi. Right. So, content lasts forever. That's all I'm going to say. Yes. Yes. It, yes. It absolutely does. Cause I sure was going to ask about the Robert Kiyosaki thing, but we do have to wrap it up. So hopefully I can get you for around two, maybe somewhere down the line. This is before or after going to the club. Yes, of course. Oh, you know what? I think definitely after the club because it'll give us more to talk about. <laughs> no problem. No problem. For sure. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jay. You have a good one. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning into the Gap Society, folks, and I hope everyone enjoyed that episode. In the words of Jay Massey, start before you're ready. Fail fast, fail forward, fail frequently. 
don't forget to tell a friend to tell a friend. And of course, until next Money Monday, stay productive. Thank you.